sorry to those who are listening. Um, here's chapter 10. Or chapter 10. Halloween. Malfoy could not believe his eye when he saw that Harry and Ron were eyeing at Hogwarts the next day, looking rabbit but gay chafed. Indeed, by the next morning, Harry and Ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been a broad adventure, and they awfully keen to have an alloan. At Teen Horns, Harry told Ron all about the wee poke that seemed to have been fitted for Gringotts to Hagrid's, and they spent a lot of time wondering what could possibly need sick, sick muckle protection. Sick muckle protection. It's either awful valuable or awful dangerous, said Ron, or both, said Harry. But as all they kent for sure about the mysterious object was that it was about twelve inches long, they didn't have much chance of jealousy. Well, of jalousing. Of jalousing? Of jalousing? I don't even know what that means. But it was without more clues. Neither Neville nor Hermione showed the slightest interest in what lay underneath the dog and the trapdoor. All never cared about was never going near the dog again. Hermione was no reason to speak to Harry and Ron, but she was sick of bussy kidnapped to know. They saw this as a wee bonus. All they really wanted to know was a way to get in their own back on the on back on the Malfoy. And to their great delight, the fairy thing arrived in the post about a week after. As the Hulets floated into the great hall, as usual, Aubrey's attention was caught and was uh, a long, thin parcel carried by Sock Muckle's screech Hulets. His wand! Harry was just as interested as anybody else to see what was in the uncontrolled parcel and was bombazed when the Hulets swooped down and dropped it right in front of him, coping his bacon onto the floor. Uh, they had hardly reflected out to the road. The road? Why would you say road in this? Okay. When another hoolet dropped a letter on top of the puzzle, Harry roofed open the letter first, which was lucky because it said, Did not open the puzzle at the table? <laughs> it came to new Nimbus 2000, but I did not want anybody's kin you've got to bosom or they'll all want one. I mean, it's the shape of a broom. Come on. Did they think that like someone got him like a broom to sweep with or something? <laughs> um Oliver Wood will meet you the night of the Bisbom <laughs> Ball Field at seven o'clock for your first training session. Prof M McGonagall. Harry could hardly hide his glee as he handed the note to Ron to read. A nimbus to a thousand, Ron grinned, green with envy. I've never even touched one. They left the hall quick, wanting to unhap the bosom themselves before their first kiss. But halfway across the entrance, Hatha found the way upstairs by the cabot and go. Malfoy to the gatch off of Harry and felt it. That's a bosom, he said, flinging it back to Harry with a mixture of jealousy and sweat on his face. 
You'll be for this hiding potter. Thirsty isn't allowed to have him. Ren couldn't stop himself. It's not an online puzzle, he said. It's a numbers 2000. Which did you say you had at home, Malfoy? A comet 260? Ron grinned at Harry. Comets look fantouche, but they just know the same class as the numbers. What would you can know about it, Wesley? You can even afford to buy you half the handle. Malfoy snoshed back. I bet you and your brothers have to save up twig by twig. Before Ron could answer, Professor Flitwick appeared at Malfoy's elbow. Now I agree in a whole buzz, he squeaked. Potter's been sent to bosom, Professor, said Malfoy quickly. Aye, aye, that's right, said Professor Flitwick. Be me at Harry. Professor McGonagall tells me all about the special circumstances, Potter. And which model is it? And number 2000, sir, said Harry. Fetching you know to launch at the look on Scordon's Malfoy's face. And it's all thanks to Malfoy here that I got it. He at it. <laughs> oh, Ron, Harry. Harry's hilarious. Harry and Ron headed upstairs, smoothing their laughter at Malfoy was, with bombazed and beeling at the same time. Well, it's true. Harry stuck a snitch, snitch, snitchered as they racked the top of the barber stairs. If he hadn't a devil's whoa, if he hadn't a Neville's Mindeball, I wouldn't have been on the team. Say, I suppose you think that's a reward for breaking rules. Came an angry voice to just about a hint them. Hermione was stomping up the stairs, looking crabbedly at the castle in Harry's horn. I thought we you weren't speaking to us, said Harry. I didn't stop now, said Ron. It's done us a world of good. Hermione marched away with her nub in the air. Harry phoned in the truck, keeping his mind on his lessons that day. It kept it and up to the dormitory was his new bosom was... Lying under his bed, or straying it off to the bosom ball field where he'd been learning to play that night, he bolted his dinner that evening. Would now noticing what he was eating, and then hushed, rushed upstairs with Ron to unhap the Nimbus two thousand at least. Jings. Ron says as the bosom rode onto Harry's bedspread. Even Harry, what can't nothing but the different bosoms, thought it looked bra. Slick it and shiny and sheeny with a mahogany bone. It had a long tail of a twig, straight twigs, and numbers 2000 scooted in gold near the top. At as seven o'clock drew near, Harry left the castle and set off in the glooming de the bosom boat field. He'd never been inside the stadium before. Hundreds of seats were raised in stones around the field so that the spectators were high enough to see what was going on. At either end of the field were three golden poles with hoops on the end. They minded Harry on the wee plastic sticks muggle bonds whilst blow bubbles that except that their sticks were 50 feet high. All the eagers to flee again to wait a boat for wood. Harry loped onto his bosom and kicked off to f- for the ground. What a feeling! He swooped in and out to the goalpost and then sped up and down the field. The Nimbus 2000 turned it to wherever he wanted on the slightest touch. 
Ha, Potter, come down. Oliver Wood had arrived. He was carrying a muckle wooden kist under his arm. Harry landed next to him. Not bad, said Wood, his iron glinting. I see what McGonagall was on about. We're on a natural ride, right? I'm just gonna ta- teach you the rules this evening. Then you'll be ginning gen- team practice three times a week. He opened the kit, kissed. Inside were footer, different size balls. Right, said Wood. No, buzzable is awfully easy to understand, even if it's not awfully easy to play. There are seven players on each side. Three of them are called chasers. Three chasers, Harry repeated, as Wood turned out to a bright red ball about the size of a football. This ball is called the quaffle. Said Wood, the chasers fling the quaffle to each other, and try and get it through one of the hoops to score a goal. Ten points every time the quaffle gains through one of the hoops. Follow me. The chasers fling the quaffle and put it through the hoops to score. Harry recited, "Say that's sort of like basketball and bosoms with sex hoops, isn't it? What's basketball?" Said Wood curiously. "Don't worry about it," said Harry quickly. "No, there's another player." On each side was called the keeper. I'm keeper for Gryffindor. I have to flee around or the hoops or hoops and stop the other team for scorn. Three chasers on keeper, said Harry, well, was determined to mind it all. And they play with the quaffle. Good, got it. Say, what are they for? He pointed to the three balls left inside the kist. I'll show you now. Take this. He handed Harry a wee club, a bit like a short baseball bat. I'm gonna show you what the blooters, blooters, <laughs> yeah. what the blooters do, <laughs> what the blooters do, Wood said. There are two of the blooters. He showed Harry two identical balls, jet black and slightly smaller than the red quaffle. Harry noticed that they seemed to be fetching to escape the straps hiding, hiding them inside the kist. Stonebuck, Wood warned Harry. He bent down and loosed one of the blooters. At once, the black ball rose high in the air and whirled straight at Harry's face. Harry swung at it with the bat to stop it from breaking his nub and sent it zigzagging away into the air. It weaked around their heads and then shot at Wood Wood dived on the top of it and managed to paint it to the ground. See? Wood pitched, forcing the strongling blue back into the kits and drop, strapping it down safely. The blue rocket around, trying to knock players off their bosoms. That's why you have two sculptors, scalpers on each team. The Weasley twins are ours. It's their job to build, 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 to build, build. Build their <laughs> for the looters and try and scope them toward the other team. Say, think we've got all that? Three tracers try and score with a quaffle. Their keeper guides the goalpost. The sculptors keep the looters away from the team. Harry ruled off. Very good, said Wid. Uh, have the looters ever killed anybody? Harry spired, hoping he sounded off. Woof. Never at Hogwarts. We've had two, three broken jaws, but nothing worse than that. No, the last member of the team is the secret. That's you. 
And you didn't have to worry about quill for the bluters, unless they crack you, unless not, they crack my head open. Didn't fash, fash yourself. The Weasleys are more than a match for the bluters. I mean, they're like a pair of human bluters themselves. <laughs> Wood rushed into the kitchen tent, or the fourth enlist bull. Compared with the crawfall and the bluters, it was totally about the size of a muckle walnut. It was bright gold and had wee flickering cellar wings. This, said Wood, is a golden snake. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, snitch, snick, yeah, snitch, snicky is like, okay, it's not that much of a difference, I guess. And it's the most important part of the world. It's awfully hard to catch them because it's the fast and difficult to see. It's the seeker's job to catch it. You've got to joke it and oot in the chases, sculptors, bleachers, and quaffle to get it for the other team's sneaker. Because whichever sneaker catches the sneaker wins his team an extra 150 points, as say they nearly always win it. That's why seekers are all getting warned. A given on buzzable only ends when the seeker is caught, say it can, can gain on for ages. I think the record is three months. They had to keep bringing on substitutes so the players could get some sleep. Well, that's hoot. Any questions? Harry shook his head. He understood what he had to do all right. It was just doing it was, that was going to be the problem. Well, no practice with the sneaky yet, said Word Kenley, snaking it back inside the crate. It's all dark. We might lose it. Let's try it with a ween on these. He poured a polka ordinary golf balls out of the pooch, and a wee minute later, he and Harry were up in the air. Wood flinging the golf balls as hard as he could in every direction. Oh. Well, I knew it was supposed to be that. Every oat for Harry to catch. Harry didn't miss even one of them, and Wood was delighted. Delected. Yeah. Either half an hour, night had fallen, and they couldn't carry on. That bosom ball tassel have our name on it this year, said Wood blithely as they marched up back up to this castle. I wouldn't be surprised if you turn out better than Charlie Weasley, and he could have played for England if he hadn't gone off chasing dragons. Maybe it was because he was no so biz buzzy. Wood with bosom ball practiced three evenings a week on top of all his homework, but Harry couldn't hardly believe it. When he realized that he'd already been a two-month at Hogwarts. The castle felt more like home than Privilone ever did. His lessons were becoming more and more interesting as Will knew that they had mastered the basics. On Halloween morning, they walked into the ball, smell of baked pumpkins, making the quarters. Even better, Professor Flitwick announced in charms that he thought they were ready to start making objects flee. Something they'd all been doying to try since they'd seen him make Neville's put up game Berlin ruined the classroom. Professor Flitwick put the chess class into Pez practice. Harry's partner was Seamus Finnegan, which was a relief because Neville had been trying to catch his eye. Ron, however, was to be working with Hermione Granger. It was hard to tell whether Ron or Hermione was more bailing about it, about this. She hadn't spoken to either of them since the day Harry's bosom had arrived. No, didn't I forget that canny wrist movement we've been practicing, squawked Professor Flitwick. 
perched on top of his pile of books as usual. Swishin, swishin which, mine no swishin which, and saying the magic words right is gay and pointed and all. Never forget warlock, warlock, Baruf, barufio. Oh, okay, okay. Never forget warlock barufio was said s instead of f and found himself on the floor with a buffalo on his chest. <laughs> it was awfully difficult. Harry and Seamus swished and witched, but the friend and they were supposed to be sending after it just lay on the top of the disc. Seamus got so impatient that he poked it with his wand and set fire to it. Harry had to put it out with his bonnet. Wrong at the next table was Hacken Havin Muckle Martrelluck. Wingardium Leviosa, he shouted, waving his ha- ha- long arms about with a windmill. Yes, saying it wrong, Harry heard Hermione snatch. It's Wingardium Leviosa. Make the gar good and long. You do it then if you're so smart, Ron snarled. Hermione rolled up the sleeves of the gown, flicked to one, and said, Wingardium Leviosa. The fitter rose off the desk and stopped hanging about for Fitterbone the heads. Oh, well done, cried Professor Flitwick, clapping. Anybody see here? Miss Granger's done it. Ron was in the right bad mood at the end of the class. It's not where one nobody can stand her, he said to Harry, as they pushed their way into the corridor. She's a nightmare, honestly. Somebody donted into Harry as they hurried past him. It was Hermione. Harry caught a glitz on her face and was turned aback to see that she was greeting. I think she heard you. So what? said Ron, but he looked a bitty uncomfortable. She is not she has to have noticed she's got no friends. Hermione didn't turn up for the next class and wasn't seen rest of the afternoon. On their way down to the Great Hall for the Halloween feast, Harry and Ron overheard Pavardi Patel telling her friend Lavender that Hermione was greeting in the lassies' clothes and wanted to be left alone. Ron looked even more awkward at this, but a moment after they had gone, gone been at the Great Hall was the Halloween decorations paid to Hermione out on their minds. Why would they say greeting instead of crying? A thousand live bulky birds flickered for the walls and ceiling while a thousand more swooped over the tables in tight black clothes, making the corners and the pumpkins get the gutter. The feast appeared suddenly in the gown plates as it had at the short-term banquet. Harry was just helping himself to bake tatty when Professor Quirrell came sprinting into the hell. His turban ugly and his face of full of fear. Anybody gawked, gawped, as he rocks Professor W. <laughs> I forgot about this. W. Dyke's chair slithered against the table and gawped. Trowel in the dungeons. Thought she should king. He then gawped onto the floor and did faint. There was a sushi. It turned up good. When purple firecrackers exploding to the end of Professor W. Dyke's hand to bring silence. Prefix, he murmured. Lead your hostess back to the dormitories immediately. Percy was in his element. Follow me. Stick together, first years. Now need to fear 
The trouble of if you follow my orders, stay right ahead of me. Ahead of me, no. Out the road, first year's coming through. Out the way, I'm the prefect king. How could I troll get in? Harry spied as they skimmed the stairs. Dennis, spare me. They're supposed to be awfully stupid, said Ron. Maybe Payne's let it in the Halloween Pilisky. They passed different groups of folk, gnashing in all different directions. As they scorched their way through a quote bosom's hucklepuff, Harry suddenly grabs Ron's arm. I've just thought, Hermione. What about her? She doesn't keen about the truth. Ron chalked his lip. Oh, all right, he snatched. But Percy better not see us. Joking down, they joined the hookah's path going the other way, slipped it down a desert side decorator, and hurried off toward the lassie's clodians. They had just turned the corner when they heard a sprig's footsteps hit them. Percy hissed Ron, pouring Harry out to the Mucklestone Griffin. Peering around it, however, they saw no Percy but Snipe. He crossed the corridor and disappeared out of view. What's he doing? Harry whispered. Who's... He know Baron in the dungeons with the other dominies. Couldn't I tell you. Quietly as possible, they crept it along the next corridor after Snape's dwelling footsteps. He's heading for the third floor, Harry said, but Ron held up his hand. Can you smell something? Harry sniffed and a bogan reek racked his nipples. A mixture of all sorts and a keen public goody. Nobody seems clean. And they heard it. A large grunting, and the shuckling, first of all, undemous feet. Ron pointed. At the end of passage to the left, something muckle was fleeting toward them. They hid in the shadows and watched as it emerged into a pool of muck light. It was an awfully sight. Twirl, fit tall, its skin was a dull, granite gray, its muckle lumpy body like a boulder with its wee body head perched on top of like a coconut. It had cutty legs, thick as tree trunks, with flat horny feet. The reek coming off it is was no real. It was holding a muckle wooden club that dragged along the floor because its arms were that long. The troll strapped next to a doorway and glowed inside. It waggled its long legs, making up its torty mind that then slouched it slowly into the room. The key's under the lock, Harry muttered. Maybe we should could lock it in. Good idea, said Ron nervously. They edged toward the open door, moose dry, praying the troll wasn't about to come out of it. When one great whoop, Harry managed to grab the key, slam the door, and lock it. Aye! Flushed with their victory, they started to run back and up this passage, but as they reached the corner, they heard something that made their hearts stop. A high, frightened scream. And it was coming for the cone chama they had just sucked it. Oh, she know, said Ron, as pure wily as the blue barn. It's the lassie's clergies, Harry perched. Hermione, they said together. It was the least thing they wanted to do, but did they have any other choice? Burning around, they sprinted back to the door and turned the key, fumbling in their panic. Harry pulled the door open and they ran in. Hermione Granger was shrinking against the wall, opposite looking as if she was about to faint. The troll was advancing on her, clawing the sinks off the balls as it was gone. 
Bombazet, Harry said desperately to Ron, and seizing his pocket, he threw it as hard as he could against the wall. The trows stopped a wean feet for Hermione and lumbered around, blinking gladly to see what he made the noise and mean what well, Anne saw Harry it hesitated and then made for him instead, lifting its club in the air. Hi, Peahead! yelled Ron for the other side of the chamber. He flung a metal pipe at it. The troll didn't even seem to notice the pipe sculpting off his shoulder, but it heard the yawl and stopped again, turning its hacked snoot toward Ron instead, getting Harry time to ring around it. Come on, run, run! Harry yelled at it, yelled, yelched at Hermione, trying to pull her toward the door, but she couldn't move. She was out flat against the wall, her mouth open with fright. The shouting and the echoes seemed to be driving the troll demented. It roared again and started toward Ron, what was nearest and had no way to escape. Harry then did something that was both awfully brave and awfully stupid. He tried a muckle vinegle and managed to fasten his arms around the troll's quickly ahead. The troll couldn't feel Harry hanging there, but even our troll will notice if you stick a long bit of wood up its nub. Harry's wand had still been in his hand when he lobbed. It had gone right up to the troll's neb holes. Yelling with pain, the troll twisted and burled its chub. With Harry hanging on for dear life, only second no, and the troll was going to have rough him off or rax him on an awfully scalp with a hub. How many covered to the floor when fried? Ron poured out his own wand. No kipping what he was going to do, and he heard himself cry the first cramshirt that came into his head. Wingardium Leviosa. The club reached suddenly out to the troll's hand, got high, high up into the hair, turned slowly over and dropped with a squirreling crack onto the owner's head. The troll swayed on the spot and the covert flashed on his face with a dunk that made the whole room shuckle. Harry got to his seat. He was shaken and out of breath. Ron was standing there with his wand still raised, gulping as what he had done. It was Hermione that spoke first. Is it dead? I didn't think so, said Harry. I think it's just been knocked out. He bent down and poured his wand out in the troll's nib. It was all slittery with something that looked like lumpy gray glue. Ugh, Charlie Snorchers. He ditched in the troll's. He ditched, ditched, ditched it on the troll's trousers. A sudden slamming and lewd footsteps made the three of them kick up. They hadn't realized what to Stromash they had been making, but of course, somebody down the s- stair must have heard the crushes and the truce roars. A minute later, first McGonagall had come bringing into the room, closely followed by Snipe with Quarrel bringing up there. Quarrel turned one look at the troll, let out a faint whimper, and sat quickly down on the clergy, clutching his heart. Snipe bent over the troll. Professor McGonagall was looking at Ron, Harry, uh, Harry had never seen her look so angered. Her lips were all white. Hopes of winning 50 points for Gryffindor faded quickly to for Harry's mind. What on earth were you thinking? Said Professor McGonagall with cold fury in her voice. Harry looked at Ron. Ron was standing with his hand in the air. You're lucky you weren't killed. Why are you non-near-demetary?
Snipe guided Harry a sharp, piercing look. Harry kicked at the floor. He wished Ron would put his wand down. Then a wee voice came out of the shadows. Please, Professor McGonagall, they were looking for me. Miss Granger. Hermione had managed to get to her feet at least. I guide looking for the troll because I, I thought I could deal with him on my own. Yen can because I've read all about him. Ron dropped his wand. Hermione Granger telling a lo- ta a dominey. If they hadn't phoned me, I'd be dead. No. Harry stuck his wand up its nub, and Ron knocked it out with its glona club. They didn't have time to gun and get at anybody. It was about to finish me off when they arrived. Harry and Ron tried to look as though this wasn't the first time they were tearing the story. Well. In that case, said Professor McGonagall, glowering at the three of them. Miss Granger, you stupid lassie. Who could you think of taking on a mountain troll all on your own? Hermione hung her head. Harry had no words. Hermione was the last person to done anything against the rules. And here she was, pretending she had. To get them out of trouble, it was as if Snipe had started handing out sweeties. Miss Granger, five points will be taken for Gryffindor for this. To Professor McGonagall, I'm awfully disappointed in you. If you're not, if you're not hurt at all, you'd better get off to Gryffindor Tower. Students are finishing the feasts in the houses. Hermione laughed. Professor McGonagall turned to Harry and Ron. Well, I still say you were lucky, but no more money, fr- no money first years could have taken on a full-grown mountain troll. You both win Gryffindor five points. First of all, Dumbledikes, Dubby Dikes, we'll hear about this. Away you go. They hurried over to the chamber and, and didn't speak at all and they exclaimed two floors up. It was a good to be away for the honk of the troll apart for anything else. We should have more than ten points, Ron Gumbold. Five, you mean, after she ten off Hermione's. Good on her to get us out of trouble like that, Ron admitted. Mind you, she, we did save her. She might not have been needing saving and hadn't looked at the thing in her head. Harry minded him. The rest depending on the wool, on the fat wolfie. Big snoot, he said, and go had been. The common room was hoaching and lewd. Everybody was eating the scrawn that had been sent up. Hermione, however, stood alone in the door, waiting on them. There was an uncle pause. Then, none of them looking at each other, they all said thanks, and gnashed off to get an ashet for the scrawn. But for that moment on, Hermione Granger was their friend. There are some things you cannot share without ending up liking each other. And knocking out a two-foot mountain troll is one of them.